You are beautiful. You are worthy. Your dreams were put on your heart for a reason. No matter what anyone else might think of you for following them. So stand up, stand tall, and stand proud. You were made to shine. Hello! How are we? How are we doing, beautiful, amazing, incredible, phenomenal people? Are we doing good? We look good. We look great in here. I am thrilled. I am honored. I am excited to just be hanging out with you guys today, a part of this community, in front of everyone, chilling with everyone, soaking in the goodness, the goodness of this weekend. I mean, come on. Who can raise their hand and say confidently that they have gotten just some golden nuggets from this weekend already and it is only day one? Say I. So a few things you need to know about me. I always say this when I introduce myself speaking, just so you are aware. One, I talk with a lot of hand motions. I think hand motions are the equivalent effect of lights on a Christmas tree. They add a little bit more twinkle to a speech. So lots of hand motions, very expressive. Two, I move around a lot. So your neck is going to get a workout. And three, I am a stickler on time management. So I can promise you I'm going to be out of here in 45 minutes. Can you hang out with me for 45 minutes? Yeah, I promise you I'm going to be giving you this much energy. So I expect that back. And your posture and the way you're listening. I see some note takers in the house. Shout out to my people. I'm a massive note taker. I love it. You guys, as I mentioned, I'm honored to be here. I am absolutely honored to be here. And something else you should know about me. Growing up, I have three siblings. And we are all massively competitive. I mean, three of us played college sports. The one that didn't end up playing college sports was a brainiac. That's why she didn't play college sports. She was too busy studying. But she could whoop our butts in everything that we did if she wanted to. She was probably the most athletic out of all of us. I was tennis. Any tennis players? Okay, so I was tennis, and then I actually ended up switching to track my senior year. So I got running, I got tennis, my younger sister played soccer, right? In the house, we were like, okay, so if a robber came in, Annie could whack him with the racket, Lizzie could kick him, and then James, James was a lacrosse player. He was just kind of like a free-for-all. You know, anybody got that brother or that boyfriend or that kid just hanging around that's just like, Lord knows, he has just got so much energy and we, it's, just not, it's just not safe. It's just not safe all the time. So that's James. James is like, if you were in a situation where you needed to outrun a bear, like fight a robber, if you were competing with him to have your life saved, you would lose. Because he was just, he was fast, he was quick, but he could also be slow and endurant. And it was very frustrating. So we were all... Really competitive, if you can sense my competitive vibes. Very competitive. And before every single match or practice or whatever, whether it was between us, my dad, it was not uncommon at Thanksgiving for my dad, just we would all be eating. He'd be like, okay, race, 100 yards, go. And we'd be like, now I'm in the middle of my chicken leg. And you would just go, right? That was my family. And so we were super competitive and it was not uncommon before every single, whatever we were going to, every time, every time. My parents, God bless them. They would say this thing 
that irritated me and my competitive siblings to no end. They would say, Annie, Lizzie, McCray, James, do your best and forget the rest. Now, <clears throat> I don't know about you, but when I'm competitive and I want to win, doing my best is enough if it's enough. You know, like doing my best is, is, is qualifiable. That's not a word, but we just made, we're making up words here because we're friends. It's qualifiable by standards of if I'm number one. If I am not, well, Lord heavens, help me. Doing my best obviously wasn't enough, and it's hard to forget the rest because I didn't win. I lost. Is anybody else, like, massively competitive in here? Am I alone? Am I on an island? Are you all just secretly judging me? Okay. Okay, good. Companionship. So you feel me, right? So what's funny is when I think about these times and why it bothered me so much is because I didn't really understand it. Until, so you know those sayings your parents would tell you over time and you, you're like, okay, yeah, that's cute, whatever. But then looking back, you're like, wow, that really profoundly impacted my life. Whether good or bad. This was one of those sayings. And I didn't realize how impactful that little saying was going to be on my life until I published my first book. At 18, I published Be Your Own Hero. And that sounds really cool. You guys, between you and I was very unqualified, like by every sense of the nature. The editors for that book literally are like, wow, does this girl know English? Because there were so many grammatical errors. Okay, absolutely. I was unqualified by every sense of the word. And I was going into my, my one of my last interviews for this book. And I kept getting the same daggone question every single time and it was fine I was just so stoked to be interviewed like that was cool but this question I kept getting confused me so much and it was the question how did you know you were ready how did I know I was ready what I mean and and, and reflection the reason it confused me so much is because my initial reaction was and this is what i said on some of the interviews (laughs) probably not the answer they were looking for um i didn't i had no idea i did not know i was ready that was a mystery to me (laughs) i never felt ready i never felt qualified i never felt like okay you know i woke up one morning and was like okay i am ready It is the perfect season. I've got my mood lighting. Everything's great. I'm not busy at all. Like, I'm ready. I'm writing a book. I'm 18. I'm doing it. Everyone's totally, obviously, going to take me seriously. I'm 18. I'm writing a book. Like, now, how did you know the book was going to do well? I didn't. How did you know you were ready for it? I didn't. How did you know you were going to be qualified? I wasn't. How did you know that you were going to be able to finish it? I I. I didn't. How did you have any way of knowing that this was going to be impactful? I couldn't. I just did it. I did my best. And I forgot the rest. I did my best. Because what my mom and dad instilled in me as a young child was done beats perfect every single time. 
You see, what I've noticed in my corporate career and my entrepreneurial career is that we as people, specifically women, get so paralyzed by this need for our work to be perfect before it can be done. We see this in the boardroom, the conference room, the stages, the books, with the speaking, the writing. And why do we feel like our work has to be perfect before it can be effective? Why? When the secret is, you need to understand that just by showing up and letting God work through you is all he ever asked. Showing up and doing your very best, your very best with whatever capacity that is in that moment, that is what you're called to do. And that is a job well done, good and faithful servant. So why do we get paralyzed in analysis? This makes me think back to my tennis career in college. You guys in college, I told you guys I played tennis and I made my, I made my way to college. And I made my way to a D1 school, but I was by no means the best tennis player on my on my team, and for those of you who aren't aware of tennis, in tennis you have uh, six lines. So you have six lines of singles. And we had 10 girls on our team. And so if you weren't in the top six, you didn't play at all. It wasn't like soccer where you had subs, right? It's like you either played or you didn't because it was a, a solo sport, but you were on a team. And the points went towards whether or not who, whoever won. And so in my experience on the tennis team, I was line seven which meant if someone got injured, I was in. Or if coach would, if we were playing an easy team, coach would put me in. But I was line seven, so I wasn't top six. And so I felt like every single match, I had to be perfect. I had to play perfect whenever I got a chance to prove myself because my position was not guaranteed. And what I learned from that and what I speak to you in reflection is that when your position, when your space is not guaranteed, you feel the need to make every move perfect because if it isn't, you could lose it. We follow in here? And the reason I'm so passionate about speaking this revelation into people is because in our world, women don't have guaranteed roles in leadership like men do. It's a rarity for women to sit at the leadership table. So when you do get the chance or when you're trying to get the chance, we feel that every move we make has to be twice as rehearsed and perfected so we can be taken seriously because we're always afraid that just as I was in line seven in the tennis lineup, you're going to get yanked if it's not. And this perception of pre-perfected work is what is stopping us from having more work done. Work that would lead to more women in roles of leadership, thus more role models for other girls to follow in their footsteps. And that's the reason I am so passionate about helping women level up in their leadership through their faith, finances, and health so we can have more examples of women in leadership and we don't have women playing leadership roles seventh strength. We filling up that top six people. But to do that, you have to kill, we have to kill this need for our moves to be perfect before they can be made because done beats perfect. Everybody say it with me. Done beats perfect.
And there are three E's I have seen affect individuals in both the entrepreneurial and the corporate space that I reside that we must address to tackle the false belief that your work has to be perfect before it could be effective. Because here's the thing, here's the thing, here's the thing. Stay with me. That little thing on your heart, that thing that tells you that would be a really good idea. Or, hey, I think I could do this really well. I think I have a really good idea for the conference room. I think I have a really good idea for the company. I think I have a really good idea for a book. I think I have a really good idea for a nonprofit. I think I have a really good idea for a speech. I think I have a really good idea for a fashion line. That voice that tells you where you need to go, I truly believe God gave that to you to impact someone else to answer a prayer that someone has right now. We're over here like, where's God? Where's God? Where's God? God is over there giving us the ability to be part of his glory by answering other people's prayers, but we've got to be brave enough to step into that. Maybe your idea is going to be the very thing that changes an organization or a group of people or just one person. Or maybe the only person it'll change is you. And that is a good enough reason, I promise. I don't know. But I do know that nothing will change if you bury everything you want to do inside you and let it die there. So three things, three things we got to tackle to get more done to be taken up the line of six. Thing one, we've got to address ego. Ego. So I started my business when I was 18. And it's a nutrition business. I sell holistic nutrition products to people of of all backgrounds, all sizes, all ages, everything. And when I was 18, I bought a list of leads. You remember you could buy leads? I think you still can. I bought 200 leads, you guys. And I was cold calling. I was cold calling all day. At 18, I was calling these people. I was getting yelled at, all this stuff. It was not working. I wasn't growing my business. And I realized, okay, I need a solution. I need to tap into my own network. And so that's what I did. And I called up a mom. You know, like when you're starting a business, you think of the most influential people in your realm. Am I right? So I called up, I called up my, my, a tennis player that I worked or I, I hit with. I was in high school. I was 18. Remember? And I called up her mom. And when I called up her mom, I was like, listen, this may or may not be for you, but will you hear me out? So you guys, I was driving over there in my 2015 Nissan Rogue that was bent on both ends because I hit a bush on one and I hit my dad's car on the other. I was wearing my tennis outfit because she basically agreed to give me time as long as I would hit with her younger kid for free. And I was not looking like a business professional is what I'm trying to get at. So I showed up and I showed her the business plan, all this stuff. And here's the thing. On my way over there, I was terrified. I was absolutely terrified. Thoughts were going into my brain like, what am I doing? I am literally driving a car that my dad says is decorated as a Christmas tree. And he refers to these decorations as the dents in my car. And I, 
I know nothing about business and I know nothing about really this business. I just know I'm really excited about it. And I don't know about the science behind all the products. And I'm only 18 and she's a doctor and, and, and yada, yada, yada. And what if she, what if she tells her, her child how silly I look? And then her kid tells my entire tennis academy and, and the thoughts just kept coming like they always do for you. Because none of us are immune to doubt. Even right now, the thoughts in my head, they're bored. That guy's about to fall asleep. That girl's about to fall asleep too. That person just left. I mean, that woke you guys up, right? Like, like they just go through your head. Here's the thing. Your ego is going to tell you you're not good enough. Your ego is going to tell you you're a failure. And I really believe this is something you'd write down my note takers put it on a little blurb on instagram later people aren't afraid of failing they are afraid of being seen failing people aren't afraid of starting small they're afraid of being seen starting small that's why you're afraid to build that side hustle that's why you're afraid to write that book to make that podcast because you don't want to be seen with just one listener that's not cool enough you look at people who have millions of listeners and you're like, I could never do that. Well, yeah, you aren't if you don't start. Everyone started at zero and your ego is going to tell you that that's a bad thing and you shouldn't even start to begin with. And I'm telling you that everyone starts there. The people that are actually effective are the people that don't listen to their ego and just do the dang thing. They allow themselves to fail because if you don't give yourself permission to fail, you don't give yourself permission to exceed, to succeed. So you have got to get over yourself enough to let yourself fail. And that is what's going to lead you to success. You guys, ego isn't just about thinking you're better than everyone else. I think we live in a world like that's how we look at ego. Ego is thinking you're better than everyone else. You're, you know, walking around like Gaston and, and sleeping. Be- was it? No, it was, it was Beauty and the Beast. Okay, Gaston, like I'm so great. I'm the stuff. Regina George. Right? Like, that's what we look at as ego. Ego, I once heard it put this way, it is edging God out. So when you look at yourself is anything but an equal sister or brother in Christ to the people around you, that's ego. So what does that mean? That means when you think yourself as less than another person, not worthy of an opportunity, that's ego. That's ego. When you bully yourself, that's ego. That's ego. And to get more stuff done, you have got to stop bullying yourself. It's a distraction. These thoughts that say you're not good enough, it's, it, it's a distraction. Because it's not about you. It's not. That message God put on your heart, it's not about you. It's about the answer he gifted you with for some reason to someone else's prayer. And when we can stop being so afraid of how people are going to see us and instead put more focus on how we're going to see people, instead of being so afraid of how people are going to hear us and perceive us and instead how we're going to hear people and perceive people, instead of how people are going to serve us, instead of how we can serve other people, that is when impact can be made. That is when we will no longer get distracted by the ego and we can push through it but you gotta push through it you gotta give yourself permission to fail you gotta start seeing people as people to be served and not people to be feared 
When you try to make it perfect, you take out the magic. The magic is in your vulnerability. Vulnerability, this is another note, note takers. Vulnerability leads to relatability. Relatability leads to credibility. It is in showcasing your imperfections that people can relate to you. Your scars will one day be the survival guide for someone else's wounds, but that won't happen if you bury it all in makeup first because they won't be able to recognize it was the answer to their prayer in the first place. Stop being so obsessed with how others will see you and start being more obsessed with how you can think of them. That is how you get over your ego and that is how you get more done. All right, we got to speed it up here, you guys. All right, expectation. Expectation. So in college, I was in a relationship with a guy. Great guy. And I, you know, like, you know, you know those people that you're in a relationship with them and I find myself, I've been in three serious relationships in my life. And each time, truly, I was like, he's, he's the one. Don't you love that? Do any parents have kids like that? God bless you. God bless you. I pray for my parents all the time. I don't know how they got through me in my relationship phase. Cause and like for me, I was like, I was the, I was the, the serial dater, not like quick, but I had like three long relationships where they were back to back to back. And it was always like, this is the one. So freshman year of college, I dated this guy for about a year and a half. And he, I thought, I thought he was the bee's niece. I mean, I thought he was just everything in a bag of chips. And my sophomore year, he called it off. And now it's so easy to talk about, but at the time, you know, you don't walk this earth. Some of you are smirking, you know, or maybe you had a child that just went through this. You know that in that moment, you literally feel like the world is just, it's like the life has been sucked out of you. I mean, it's like, you know, not to pull a Shakespearean emotional turn here, but like the sun just is not as bright. And you know what I mean? And the darkness is a little darker and food just doesn't taste good. And that was me. That was me for a while. That relationship was not what I was expecting to be. I did not expect to fall for him so quickly. And I did not expect for him to end it when he did. Was it a failure? Some might look at it that way. But I don't. Just because it didn't meet my expectations doesn't mean it wasn't beautiful. And when we are married to our expectations, we miss out on how God intended things to serve our life. Some of you have had marriages, divorces, businesses fall through or be successful you weren't expecting it to. Stocks to do amazing or to do horrible that you weren't expecting them to. We have got to get over our predetermined expectations to have more experiences and stories to tell and thus more work to be impactful. I'm going to say that again. We have got to get over our predetermined expectations to have more experiences and to allow those experiences to be what God needs them to. Have you ever heard the saying? It's like hearing what they said and not what you heard. It's the same thing here. When we go into experiences with preconceived expectations, we miss out on how God wants to use this experience in its entirety instead of coming in with a plan. 
And a lot of that has to do with how we define our failure. What if instead of failure being, oh, that business didn't turn out, that relationship didn't last, what if failure was never trying? So no matter what, as long as you tried, you were successful. Change your expectation of failure. And that's hard. Experiencing the no's, the hardships, the rejection, that's hard. But since when is going for something you really care about supposed to be easy? We've got to reconfigure how we expect a successful journey to be. It's gonna be hard. And when we don't expect it to be hard, that's when we quit. When I was in tennis, I clearly remember one summer, my coach decided to just switch up conditioning on us and make it so our lungs felt like they were on fire. And the first day he did that, we had two hours worth of conditioning and the balding Atlanta heat. And he was like, you know, the coach of miracle, like again, 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 it was like that. In fact, I watched that movie that night as my legs refused to move. And I was like, that was Austin today. And I remember that first practice, I wasn't expecting it. I wasn't expecting it to be so hard. So midway through, I stopped. I literally was like, I can't go anymore. I quit. I'm done. I, I, why is this so hard? But that next day, oh yeah, I went back the next day. That next day, I was expecting it to be hell. And when I expected it to be hard, I finished. Because I knew the hard didn't shock me. It didn't catch me off guard. So many times we quit because we weren't expecting it to be hard. We were expecting to make a million dollars in the first year. We were expecting those people, that person to stay with us for the rest of our lives. We were, and I'm not saying be a pessimist, but I'm saying anything worth pursuing, don't expect it to be easy. And when you don't expect it to be easy, when the hardships come, they don't shock you enough to take you out of the game. Because anything worth pursuing is going to be hard. But you, if you have that internal knowing inside of you and you push past that, that's when things get done. Get over your initial expectations. Allow it to be what God needs it to be. The power is in your pivot. Okay, and last, excuses. Excuses. The last thing you need to get through to get more done is your excuses. In college, I had, as mentioned, serial dater. Dated some guys pretty seriously. So the next, the last voice that I had, I remember my senior year of college, I would do this thing called GN term or interim or whatever. So I was going home for January. And I was, I, I got it approved to work on my second book for my, for my course credit. And I was dropping, the, the guy I was seriously dating at the time, I was dropping him off at boot camp for 10 weeks. I wasn't going to be able to talk to my best friend, the guy that just was my rock at this time of my life, right? I wasn't going to talk to him for 10 weeks and I was terrified. And so at the same time, there was a woman that was an additional mother to my siblings and I growing up. Her name is Gwenny. She's the most beautiful, beautiful woman that you would ever meet. And I know she's here. She was struggling with something called pulmonary fibrosis, which for those of you who don't know, does not have a cure. 
It's kind of like they put it, it's your lungs slowly suffocating to death over the course of years. The scar tissue in your lungs, and she wasn't a smoker, but it's similar to what happens to smokers. It, it, it's your lung tissue scars so much, it's like cement filling your lungs, and it happens over the duration of years until you slowly just can't breathe anymore. This is about year four of Gwenny having that. And so in January, I was in Charlotte. I was dropping off. Um, I was dropping him off at, at boot camp. Said goodbye. And I, I call Gwenny every day. And this particular day, she didn't answer. And any of you that have ever struggled with a death of whatever a passing, you know that feeling. Like I believe you, your spirit just knows. And I knew. I just don't want to say it. So I drive home, and my parents tell me, Gwenny died. I say goodbye to my boyfriend that morning. Came home to find out Gwenny died, and I couldn't even talk to him about it because he was gone for 10 weeks. And I was devastated, to say the least. We all have vices. Some of you, it's sex. Some of you, it's drugs. Some of you, it's alcohol. Some of you, it's staying busy. Staying a busy schedule so you don't have to actually feel what's underneath. For me, it was always exercise. Exercise was my vice. And when I say exercise is my vice, when I was upset, and I've had to work on this, when I was upset, I would go to the gym for six, seven hours. That wasn't uncommon. And the next day, I went to the gym. And I was on hour five of the stair stepper. I was like, I'm fine. I'm fine. All is well. All is good. All is good in the hood. And I stopped and I just said, no, I'm not doing this. I'm not doing this. I am not running from my pain. I have every excuse right now to just numb it out. To n- I don't have my best friend with me. I don't have Gwenny with me anymore. I have every excuse to just numb it out and to say, you know what, Annie, it's fine. Just keep exercising. You're good. Don't be so hard on yourself. And I said no. And I went home and I started writing my second book, which ended up being a bestseller. My first bestseller on Amazon. I had every excuse to not keep going. And that's where I get really frustrated when people harp on Move past your excuses because they act as if they're not valid. That's not the hard time with excuses. The excuses we have in life are real. They're hard. They are loud and they are valid. You're a single mom and you're working three different jobs. You're planning a wedding. You're working for a company that doesn't promote internally correctly. You are struggling from that disease. You didn't lose that. You lost that family member. You don't know how you're going to put food on the table. You don't know how to send your kids for college. Your excuses, the things going on in your life, they are valid as to why you can't start the business, why it's not a good time to start the book, why it's not a good time to start the podcast, why it's not a good idea to bring that idea to the boardroom, why it's not a good idea to apply for that promotion. Your excuses are valid. And that's why I get upset is because when we talk about excuses, we tend to brush them off as if there's no validity, as if you're a bad person for giving into your excuses. But that isn't true. For most of you, the thing standing in the way of getting done, what it is that you're trying to do, those things are real and they're heavy and they're raw. And I know that feeling. The question isn't, do you have excuses or not? 
The question is, are the things you want to accomplish and be known for five, 10 years from now worth finding a way to make it work alongside the other responsibilities and weights you have in your life? I'm going to say that again. The question is not, do you have excuses or not? Are they valid or not? Are they significant or not? The question is, do, is what you want to do, is what you want to be known for, is that a heavier weight than the weight of your excuses? You will always have valid excuses, always. But if the answer is yes, to get more stuff done, it isn't a matter of numbing out your excuses while pursuing your goal, but figuring out how to marry the two how to work alongside them in cohesion. I'm not saying completely numb out the pain from losing your mother as you build your business. I'm saying find a way to feel your pain and work on your business and marry the lessons you learn from each to make yourself better in the process. That's the dance of success no one talks about. There is never a perfect season to pursue your goals because you're always gonna have things going on. Some people used to write me or ask me, how do you, when do you write your books? Like, what's your, what does your desk look like? You should do a reel. You should do an Instagram reel on your candles and your like desk. And if you have essential oils, I'm like, honey, I was writing my fifth book. Not even kidding you. I was getting my oil changed. And the only time I had to write that day was then. And they, all they had was this literal, like a children's table and about half of my butt cheek fit the, the seat I was sitting on. And I was writing my book with like my, my knees to my eyeballs and I got it done. There's no perfect time. There's no perfect season. Anyone with kids knows this. If you're lucky to, to like you use putting the dishes in the dishwasher as part of your workout, cause there's no perfect time. But it's how you heal from the pain while you write the book. It's when you're going to find the 30 minutes in the nooks and crannies to build a side hustle while you work the full-time job. It's when to cut the budget to be able to take that money and put it back into your business while you're still watching your kids. You guys, I built a six-figure side hustle in the nooks and crannies of my corporate career. I didn't let the fact I had a significant corporate career and a book deal and a speaking engagements prevent me from figuring out another stream of income. To get stuff done, say it get stuff done. Say it with me. Get stuff done. You move despite your excuses because when it comes to things we truly care about, and that is key, what excuses truly are for the most part are attempts to protect ourselves from what we believe will be confirmation that we aren't good enough for the dreams we want to pursue. It's true. I'll write the book one day. I'll speak one day. I'll tell my boss one day. I'll apply for that job one day. Because as long as we have one day or when I have enough time, then we don't actually have to figure out if we have what it takes. So we keep saying, I'm going to do that one day when I have the time, the money, the energy, the patience, and I can make it perfect. When what you're really doing is putting it off so you don't have to prove to yourself if you can actually do it or not. You guys, circumstances will never be perfect and neither will the final product because there is no such thing as perfect. In fact, it is the lowest standard you can reach for because it doesn't exist. And so while you're over here trying to make everything perfect and make, make it all, per- it's not going to happen. And your dreams, the things God blessed you with, 
the ideas, the innovations, the creations, the creativity, the inventions, those are too important to give in to your ego, to your expectations, and to your excuses. And I hope and my prayer for you right now, in this second, in this room, is that you make a commitment to yourself and your creator to honor the ideas and the gifts that he gave you, the calling that he put in you, that thing that's been on your mind this whole time. And that you move in it and do something with it. And in leaving you with the wise words, my parents would always tell me, do your best, your best, and forget the rest. Because the world needs to be, the world needs you to be brave enough to try. Close your eyes and your heart make a commitment to yourself right now. One that honors yourself and your creator. The thing that has been on your heart this entire time. I pray over you boldness and bravery to push past your ego, your expectations and your excuses. So you can be an answered prayer to this world. And in leaving you with the wise words, my parents would pray over me, do your best and forget the rest. With divine expectation, I pray you fully accept done beats perfect because the world needs you to be brave enough to try. Hey friend, thanks so much for listening all the way through. The fact that you did says so much about your willingness and curiosity to get into your personal development and growth. You guys, if this episode touched you and your spirit in any way, I pray that you share with two friends that you think would really find value in this. This is how these messages get around. And I know I personally just really appreciate when a friend thinks of me when they listen to something and think that I'll find value in it as well. Also, if you find so willing, please tag to your Instagram stories and make sure to tag Annie B. Mayfield. At the end of every month, I will be doing a drawing from everyone that is posted on their Instagram stories for a $50 Amazon gift card. You guys, I appreciate and love you all so much. Have an amazing day.